0: It is truly our joy to be here with you, Uh, my wife and I, Yvonne, uh, she is right there. Glad to have her here with me today. I've heard so much about KT and your wonderful church and all about you. Your pastor is a dear friend, a wonderful friend. So honored to be sharing the pulpit here uh, with him today. And uh, I just want you to know that uh, greetings from Hong Kong from ICA, just in case if you do visit Hong Kong or you have friends and relatives in Hong Kong, encourage them to visit ICA too, amen? amen. Praise God. And on this morning, I want to begin with a story about a Russian and American and a Chinese man were talking one day and the Russians said, we were the first to space. And the American quickly laughed and they said, you know what, that is not a big deal. The Americans, we were the first on the moon. And the Chinese man, quietly but proudly, he said, "So what? In fact, we Chinese, we are going to be the first on the sun." <laughs> and obviously the Russian and the American man, they both laughed to each other, and they said to the Chinese man, he said, "You know what? That is impossible. You cannot land on the sun. You'll burn up." And the Chinese man quietly he said, "You know what? We Chinese, we're not stupid. I know." but we are going at night. (laughs) You know, today I'm here to share with you about a dream. Not about a dream of going to the moon or to be the first to to the space, nor the sun, which is impossible. Yes, I know. But I want to talk about a dream that God has given to each one of you. I'm looking at all of you here in this room. I see God's dreams in you. In fact, all of you, you are a dreamer. All right. So let us go to the passage, Genesis chapter 45, verse 1. It is a very familiar story, so I must caution you. But I bet you have something that you have missed in this passage. So please stay awake and don't dream at this time. (laughs) Genesis 45, verse 1, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, Make everyone go out from me, so no one stayed with him. And Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And Joseph wept aloud, so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it as well. In verse 3, And Joseph said to his brothers, Would you say with me, I am Joseph. Maybe some of you ladies, you say, well, you know what, I am not Joseph. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, you are a Josephine this morning. <laughs> so touch your neighbor and say, you are a Joseph or Josephine. Come on, talk to your neighbor. In each one of us, there is a Joseph in us There is a God-given dream. There is a dreamer within each one of us that God has created us and that is our purpose, There is a sense of destiny in each one of us. It doesn't matter if you are male or female, if you are old or young, as long as you are still breathing and you are still alive, there is a dream from God for you. Now, as Joseph comes to this passage, Joseph is meeting his brothers, in fact, his evil brothers, after so many, many years. You know the story. I will not repeat that, all right? And it is interesting. Now, after so many years, what would he say to his brothers? What would he be asking his brothers? Obviously, he wouldn't be asking, so how are you, bro? (laughs) Have you taken your breakfast? (laughs) It must be a very important question that he has saved that question for many years and for a very long time, not knowing even if one day he will get to ask his brothers. All right? So let's put the story in its context. And, but, but Joseph began by identifying himself to his brothers. I am Joseph. And that is definitely a courageous statement for him to make. And then comes the question. Look at the passage carefully. The question. He could have asked other questions, but he asked the most important question. He said, is my father still alive? Very interesting. Maybe for a casual listener or reader of this passage today, you may not see or notice the connection between I am Joseph, the dreamer, and is my father still alive? which I am gonna take time to convince you and help you to see how similar this story is in our lives. When I was five years old, I remember one evening I was having dinner with my two other siblings, my sisters. We were in the living room, nothing unusual. It would be a typical evening. And suddenly I saw and I noticed my father, he was walking out leaving the house that evening without saying a goodbye. And I saw that my father would return that evening, but he did not. And as a five-year-old kid, I asked myself, is my father still alive? A week had passed. There was no news nor sign of his return. And I asked myself, is my father still alive? A year has gone by. My father have no news of him. Is my father still alive? Five years have passed. Still the same question. Is my father still alive? 10 years have passed. And I remember with my mother, we put it on a local newspaper looking for him. Is my father still alive? 20 years have passed. Is my father still alive? Now 45 years have passed. Still, the same question today is my father still alive? Why is this question so important to Joseph? Why is this question so important to me? Why is this question so important to some of us here in this room? That you're still asking the question is your father still alive? You see, Joseph has a God given dream. And the enemy has plotted the best way to kill that dream that the dream will never come to pass is to make Joseph an orphan. His brothers threw him into the pit and then he was in the prison. They tried to kill him initially. What were they trying to do when he was in the pit? He was sold as a slave. When he was thrown into the prison, he became a prisoner. They tried to make a slave out of him. They tried to remove his sonship that you are a nobody, that your father doesn't care, that you're not loved even by your brothers, that you deserve, that the only place that you deserve is to be a slave and to be a servant. Not a son. And therefore, he came to this question when he first saw his brothers after so many years of separation. Is my father still alive? Am I a son or am I an orphan or a slave? Does it make sense today, right now, to you? Maybe some of you here, you have a biological father, but you you don't have a relationship with your father. You don't have a good relationship with your father. Is my father still alive? Maybe for some of us here, you do not know your heavenly father. Is my father still alive? Maybe you do have a relationship with your Heavenly Father at some point in time, but today you're not sure if you have a living, vibrant relationship with Heavenly Father, God Himself. Is my Father still alive? Well, friends, in this story, for each one of us, if we want our dream to come to pass, the purpose that God has given to us, not a purpose given by men or our parents, not a purpose that is given by your employer, by your superior, but a God-heavenly-given purpose in your life, that you are created for that purpose, for that assignment in your life, that you can never live a fulfilled, a truly satisfied life until you receive as well as you believe and that dream come to pass in your lifetime. Then, you must come to ask this question. Is my father still alive? And my prayer is that when you leave this service at the end of this teaching, that you can all say, I have a father. I may, I may have lost my physical, biological father, but I know my heavenly father is in my life, that I am a son, I am not an orphan, I am not a slave, that I know my identity and I have a living relationship with God and I have a purpose from Him. That is my desire. But if you look at the story of Joseph, it's interesting that Joseph continued in this passage, he said, if you look at the text, but his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence that they do not know if the pa- father is still alive. They were too shocked to answer that question. But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence was full. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is interesting. He could have said, You are my brother. <laughs> that would be less risky after knowing that they have rejected him and tried to get rid of him. But he took a bold step. It doesn't matter if you will receive me or reject me. But what is clear to me, that I refuse to deny and I will accept the fact, knowing the evil that you have done to me, that I am your brother. I accept you to be my brother. Okay, you need to look at this text carefully. And then he said, I am your brother, Joseph. He made it so clear by putting his name there. And he said, whom you sold to Egypt. (laughs) All right. Now you look at this sentence. It just don't make sense. The words, I am your brother and you sold me to Egypt shouldn't be there in the same sentence. Shouldn't be in the same conversation. How can you accept them to be your brother knowing that they have sold you? So which comes to our first point this morning: For our dream to be fulfilled, Joseph neutralized what his brothers did to him. Unforgiveness is the number one reason why most people's dreams are never realized, never come to pass. It is not the lack of, 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 of resource. it is not the lack of education. It is not the lack of connection. In fact, it is because of unforgiveness, therefore the lack of opportunities, the lack of connection, the lack of resources. Because of unforgiveness, people never really fully reach their full potential. They continue to live in the spirit of bitterness and the spirit of the past. They got stuck stuck somewhere in time. They cannot move on not only they cannot move up in their workplace, they cannot move on in their relationship with others. They got stuck. There's a little child stuck within them. And the reason why is because of unforgiveness. In fact, the reason number two, which we will not dwell uh, this morning on, it is discouragement. Discouragement is the number two reason why we never arrive to our destiny. The lack of forgiveness and the lack of fruitfulness. When there's a lack of fruitfulness, we become discouraged. Our circumstances can be discouraging, and we give up and give up too soon. (laughs) Let's come back to unforgiveness. You see, when we are sinned against, we usually either, for most men, we downplay the wrong that is done to us. We minimize, we downplay. And for a lot of us, we overplay the wrong that is done to us. We magnify unnecessarily and in a very unfair way. <laughs> we exacerbate the wrong that is done to us. But today, may I suggest, when it comes to relationship, that it's always a, pl- a place for compromising with the loved ones in our lives. Because usually the ones that offend us are people who are closest and longest with us. Would you agree with me? And don't look at your spouse, not a good time uh, to do that. No, just look at me, all right? <laughs> Someone said this, the man who says sorry when he is not sure if he is wrong, he is a humble person. When he, um, the man who says sorry when he is wrong, he is an honest man. But the man who says sorry, even when he is right, he is a husband. <laughs> He said, don't take the sin done to you too seriously. But can I suggest that we must deal with the sin done to us courageously as well as honestly. Neutralizing the sin done to us, it is like diffusing a bomb in our lives that is about to explode. Because usually when we are hurt, we make decisions based on a wounded heart. We take direction in our lives. We make directions in our lives based on a hurting heart. And usually it causes our life as well as those around us in our lives, our loved ones. Isn't it so? You see, Joseph refused to allow the bitterness in his life to affect his life. He diffused it, he neutralized it, he let it go of the hurts. Today, this morning, can I say this, that a lot of us here, maybe it is time to let it go. You're not minimizing or taking the sin done to you lightly, (laughs) nor exaggerating it, but you're accepting it and you refuse to let that sin hurt you. Wow. You see, unforgiveness happens usually when we fail to see God at work in our lives. We only see what men have done to us, but not what God has done for us. And it results in unforgiveness and bitterness. My second point this morning, and then we pray. Joseph magnified what God did for him. Look at two passages, Genesis 45 verse 5. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me. Say with me, sold. He said that again. You sold me, all right? You sold me here for God sent me. He saw both what God what God has done for him as well as what man has done to him. You saw me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Verse 7, and God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivals. Verse 8, so it was not you who sent me, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh. Interesting. We started off with the question, is my father still alive? The passage ended with, Joseph says, now I'm a father to Pharaoh. (laughs) It's a good passage to preach on this, in fact. All right. And Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Now, uh, chapter 50, verse 19, the second passage. Look at this and then I'm going to tell you what it means. Verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, it is interesting. The harmful intention of man not only cannot harm us, but it will help us, bring us to the place of our destiny. You heard me correctly. The plot of man will fulfill the plan of God for your life. I cannot explain this. This is crazy. This may even sound foolish. But our God is sovereign. He is at work. And in fact, the Bible tells us that to those who loved Him, His plan is always for them and not against them. It just doesn't make sense. But the, but the, but the, the beautiful part of this is that man can harm us, but man cannot hurt us. And how so many times we admit so quickly, you hurt me. We give people permission to hurt us. Can I say this? None of us should say this, you hurt me, unless you allow them to. People can harm you, but they can never hurt you. Men can harm you, but they can never hurt the plan of God for you. And we give in so quickly, and we blame it on them. And I want to say this compassionately and sensitively, where we were the one who hurt ourselves. So may I suggest when men harm you, you should say, no, nah, na, 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 you cannot hurt me." <laughs> Too bad. You cannot hurt me. I'm sorry. (laughs) You see, God's plan, God's good plan is greater than the evil plot of the brothers, Joseph, because his goodness overcomes man's wickedness because our God is great and he uses people and circumstance and in fact, imperfect people and imperfect circumstance, unpleasant people as well as unpleasant circumstance to fulfill his plan for us. <laughs> this is how great our God is. When they, were, when they were carrying Jesus, when they were kicking him, spitting him, cursing him, beating him up, When Judas betrayed Jesus, when the Pharisees plotted to kill Jesus, they were envied of him. They were angry of him. They thought that by doing so, putting him on the cross, they can finally silence Jesus to solve their problem once and for all because Jesus seems to be the problem. He is a threat. But little did they know, as they push him to the cross on the road to Calvary, Jesus was closer to his destiny than ever before. (laughs) And as they were beating him, Jesus came the cross painfully. He was bleeding. Little did we know that Jesus was thanking his enemies. Thank you so much for helping me fulfill my plan, my destiny. This is why I am here. He was closer to his destiny and God's plan for his life. Do you know the betrayal that happens in your life, the pain and suffering that you did not ask for? (laughs) You should welcome them because it's helping you closer to your dream. (laughs) In fact, as Jesus was carrying the cross, I believe Jesus was thanking God in his heart. Oh, thank you, my father. Thank you, Judas Iscariot. Oh, thank you, Pharisee. I need to send you a thank you card next week. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're helping me to come to the place where I am supposed to be. That I don't see you as my enemies. That you are my friends. No wonder it was so easy when Jesus was hung on the cross. He says, forgive them. For they do not know what they were doing. Because they really did not know. (laughs) Wow. You see, men may attempt to do what is unacceptable to God in your life. While at the same time, they are accomplishing what God has purpose in your life. For Joseph, when they put him into the pit, threw him into the prison, God turned his pit and his prison experience into a palace, didn't he? (laughs) They tried to make Joseph a prisoner, but God made him a prince. They sold Joseph as a slave, but God sent Joseph as a son. Because God selects Joseph, men rejected Joseph. They purpose to destroy Joseph but God delivered him. They attacked Joseph, but God anointed him. Joseph was forgotten by man and his brothers, but God anointed Joseph. Not only you and I, when we experience our pain, but in our pain, we will discover God's plan and God's purpose in our lives. In fact, clearer (laughs) In fact, friends, I want you to know, Joseph, when he faced his crisis, and when Joseph began to cry out to the Lord, Joseph found the Christ of his life. Well, friends, this morning, if I would ask this question, how was Joseph in Egypt? Was it because of the sin and the plot of his brothers or because of the good plan of God? The answer is that both options, both answers are true. But the problem is that we oftentimes only have one answer. How are you here this morning? I'm looking around in this beautiful church. I see people come from everywhere. Maybe you are here because of your job. Maybe you are here because of your family. Maybe you are here because of your studies. There are so many reasons, explainable reasons why you are here. Why are you in Kensington Temple? Why not another place, another church? But why here? It's an important question. (laughs) And all of us have a different story. But today I want us to see with eyes of faith. You are here not because, not only because men have brought you here, but you are here because at the same time, God has sent you here. Because if you only see the human side to to your presence here in London or KT, then there will always be a feeling of, I'm a slave to my work. (laughs) I'm a servant. You know, my home, my house, my marriage is like a pit or a prison. You see, you know, I'm here because of my school, and school is like prison. You can never be truly happy. You can never see God's plan for your life. But today, my job is to help your eyes to look up, not just look around, and to say, wow, I finally get to see I'm here. Yes, because of all of these explainable reasons, but I'm also here because God has sent me here. And I'm sent as a son. I'm not sold as a slave in my workplace. And suddenly, when you go home at the end of the service this afternoon, you, 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 was, you, you have always felt like the home is in prison. And finally, suddenly this evening when you go home, you can say, this is my palace. <laughs> Tomorrow when you go to work, when you step into your office, instead of looking at your office as a place you call a prison or a pit, and you work like a prisoner or work like a slave, now you suddenly say, I'm a prince here. This is my palace. <laughs> you come to this church and suddenly you begin to realize, you know what, now I finally understand why Pastor Colin have always called us to be a missionary, to be sent out, to be a witness wherever we are in this city, London, that we have a purpose, we have a goal, right there at the back on the screen as well, that I am sent, I am a missionary. <laughs> I'm a son, I'm a daughter. How are you here? You see, I've been with ICA Hong Kong for 20 years. But I want to tell you a very honest story. When I was 20 years, in uh, the first 20 years, when I first arrived, my friends would say, you know, Ed, you are a missionary here. You're sent to Hong Kong to pastor the church. Obviously, I understood what they meant. But in my heart, I cannot truly and fully agree with that statement. You see, what a lot of people did not realize, I was in Hong Kong because I got no other place to go to. (laughs) And that is really sad. And that is true. You see, I was hurt in the ministry. I don't want to sound like I'm accusing anyone, but the fact is that I felt hurt in ministry. I was betrayed by my brothers. And I quit ministry. But then an opportunity came. I see a Hong Kong asset if I would come, not knowing my background. And I went there. But the problem was, when I felt like I was sold instead of sent to Hong Kong, my first few years of ministry in ICA Hong Kong was like a slave. I had a slave mentality. Uh, Fear was governing my heart. The insecurity in my ministry. The problem wasn't the church, it wasn't the work, but it was me right within me. I felt like I was in the prison. I say it was like a prison experience. I say it was like a pit experience. I couldn't excel. The dream that God has given to me for many years, even before I went to full-time ministry, don't have time to tell you the story. I received a prophecy that I will be a part of an international ministry. I couldn't understand at that time. I was only a schoolboy, But that dream never come to my realization that my, my, my ministry in Hong Kong was part of the vision that God gave. I just couldn't connect. In fact, I didn't even remember. I was a slave. Until one day when I read this story, I saw a Joseph in me. And today I'm looking out at all of you here, wonderful people, that God has given you a dream. I finally learned to forgive those who offended me. I finally learned to thank those who have betrayed me, those who have hurt me. Thank you so much. If it is not for you, I wouldn't be in Hong Kong. If it is not for you, I wouldn't know Pastor Colin and therefore here this morning. If it is not for you, thank you so much that you helped me in this journey, that you sold me, but God sent me. There is another story 2,000 years ago. A man was sold for 30 pieces of silver by his friend. In fact, his disciple, Judas Iscariot. But he refused to be a slave. He refused to be sold. He said, I am sent. John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave. He sent his only son. Jesus said, I am sent to mankind, that I'm sent to the cross with a mission, that with an assignment from heaven. I have a destiny. I have a God-given purpose. I refuse to allow Judas Iscariot to put that plot in my life and take away my dreams. I will continue to fulfill that dream. Jesus said, I'm a son. I'm not a servant or a slave because I'm sent and not sold. I want to pause here before we come to a close. I'm going to be asking all of us here this morning, are you sent or are you sold? How are you here in London? Not where are you, but how did you end up here? <laughs> are there people in your life that disappointed you, that have hurt you, that you have kept all of this pain and this hurts in your life for a long, long time? This morning, my prayer for you is that you will let it go that you would diffuse it, that you will neutralize the sin done to you. You can say, well, enough is enough. I'm going to move on with my life. Yes, I do acknowledge that my brothers have sold me, but today, finally, I see the hand of God that He has sent me. Today, I refuse just to look around. I will look up. God has a plan for my life. Maybe my marriage has failed. Maybe my spouse has betrayed me, but I'm not going to stay there. I choose to forgive. But at the same time, I choose to embrace and move forward. The plan of God. Let us all close our eyes. I want to pray for those of you this morning that you want to forgive those who have betrayed you. And usually, as I said, forgive those who are closest and longest with you because they hurt you the most. It's time to let go. Why, Pastor Ed? Because God is at work. That is part of God's plan for your life to fulfill what he has for you. And you must let it go. There is no other way. And if that is your prayer, can you just slip up your hand because I want to lead you in a prayer and then pray for you. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? If you can just raise two hands, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just follow me in this prayer. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I thank you. That you are still alive. That I'm a son and a daughter. I'm not a servant. I'm not a slave. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor because of you. That I am loved by you. I'm not a nobody. I'm a somebody. Thank you, Heavenly Father, today that you reveal yourself to me. And like a good father, you have a plan for me. You have given a dream in my heart. And Father, today, as I discover that dream, Lord, I'm willing to let go of all the hurts and pains. I choose to forgive those that have hurt me. I choose to let it go. In Jesus' name, I choose to forgive in Jesus' name because I see you at work and therefore it is easy to forgive Today, I will thank my enemies Thank you, Jesus for sending them into my life Today, I embrace all that you have for me Thank you, Jesus In your name, I pray Amen.